welcome to the NC Students Podcast. NC Students is the middle school and high school ministry of Northland Cathedral in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information on NC Students and Northland Cathedral, please visit www.northlandcathedral.org. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's message. Hey, um, I got a question for you, just a survey. Who have you guys, how many of you guys have heard of the TV show Cheers? It's from back in the day. All the old people raised their hands. Some of you guys who have parents, who, I mean, older people than the norm in this room. Let me read to you. Let me read to you the theme song, the lyrics to the opening song of this thing, because it sounds like a good advertisement for a church, as far as I'm concerned. Listen, and if you don't know what Cheers is, it's a TV show from like the 80s and 90s where people got together in a bar in Boston, and, um, and they talk about community and, and belonging. Could this be like a church advertisement? Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go. Maybe it sounds like an airline commercial. I don't know. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Oh, you guys want to sing along, don't you? And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Your, our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Wow. Wow. What are your parents letting you watch? That's a bar television show. Goodness gracious. So listen, Heather's family was not, Heather was not allowed to watch that show because it took place in a bar. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons because, well, it's a long story. A lot of reasons, which only makes me want to, like, which only made me want to watch The Simpsons even more. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, the, uh, the lyrics of that song speak to everyone's desire to know and to be known, Right? And that's what we've talked about over the last few weeks, taking off the mask, trusting God and others with who we really are and the needed wearing mask. I mean, it sounds like a great commercial for a, a church that we could come and we can know and be known and we could be honest and we could trust others where everyone's troubles are the same. Unfortunately, what we've talked about the last couple of weeks is that church seems to be the place where we feel like we need to put the mask on. We're afraid to be known. We're afraid to let people on the inside of our struggles, our imperfections, our flaws, but it only comes when we trust God with who we are and the work on the cross. We talked a little, over the last couple of weeks about the Christian life being a journey where we mature into who God says we already are. We may not look like it or feel like it, but that's, it's the growth of who God declares we are because of what Christ has done. We talked last week, Heather spoke, about how God and only God can handle our sin, that this idea of sin management and trying to fix ourselves, which many of us from the earliest part of our Christian life felt like that was the thing, like God gave you a clean slate, now don't get it dirty. Like, and so we, we're forced to wear masks because we know our issues and everybody else seems like they have their stuff together. So it's actually kind of an atmosphere that creates, you know, mask wearing and fear of rejection and fear of shame and guilt but the last couple of weeks, we've talked about taking off our mask. And then there's not like a point where we just hit a switch and suddenly we're not wearing masks anymore. The reality is we kind of default back to what we've always done and what we know. But there's a, there's a continuing reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ, reminding ourselves what God's called us to in community, a community where we don't have to live in shame and fear and hide. You know, so, so here's the thing. Heather ended last week's message talking about when, you, when we do sin management, we kind of get stuck in that cycle. 
And it's a never-winning cycle because every time we try to clear the sin on the, on the pile of sin, we just keep adding to the pile of sin. She goes, but when we could actually trust God with our sin, when God and only God can handle our sin, we could move on from just spinning our wheels trying to, trying to um, manage our sin to moving on to our destiny, to influence, to our purpose. And that's what the next slide says. So we're going we're gonna to build right off of this right here. So we're going to talk about our influence. I don't imagine for a moment that we all have this thing nailed down and figured out. I still have to remind myself of who I am in Christ. But at least I know that I can remind myself. There are those out there who don't know what we know, not because they weren't here the last two weeks, but maybe because they weren't here the last two weeks. Those are those, when you begin to take off the mask, when you begin to trust God and others with who you really are, you'll begin to notice that others are hesitant to do that same thing. That for some reason, others are still wearing that mask. And this influence is one of the things that I think God has called us to as people who can trust God with who we are and trust others with who we are, because there are others who don't trust you or God with who they are. What's the influence that we can have when it comes to taking the mask off for others? And we know we've talked over the last couple of weeks, all the negative things that happen when we wear masks. And we've, we've talked about it from our perspective as people who wear masks, but let's just review really quick. If we are taking off our mask or learning to do it more and more, trusting God and others with who we are, the people around us who continue to clung, cling to their masks, they find themselves bummed out or burned out or left out. Bummed out, burned out, or left out. Let me explain. Bummed out would be those people who are saying, man, I'm trying to manage my sin, but I can't seem to get anywhere. I can't move forward. And they wear a mask because isolation is the only, you know, kind of hiding who they are. And when we know that sin sometimes thrives in isolation, that when we're hidden, it actually breeds sin. But they're bummed out because they don't feel like they could be known or, or know because they're afraid of rejection and, and they're afraid of um, being judged. Now, can I just say something about masks? Sometimes we say people who wear masks, who act one way, one place, and act another way, another place, we call them hypocrites. And I would say a hypocrite oftentimes... Sometimes we, we, sometimes we are really harsh calling people hypocrites when really perhaps they're just responding to us who are the hypocrites. When we want to wear our masks and judge others when they try to be vulnerable so they realize they can't be vulnerable. And that would lead us to the people who are left out. There are people who have said, okay, I'm going to take the risk with who I am and I'm going to maybe confide in someone or, or own my failures or my faults. But other people who aren't ready for that are quick to say, wow, you're, you do that? And we all have our issues, but when we don't act like any of us have issues, the person who steps out and act, who confesses an issue is going to feel left out because nobody wants to um, identify with that person. So there's bummed out, left out, and when you get left out because you've tried, taken a risk of putting yourself out there and trying to trust people with you, guess what happens? You get burned. You don't want to, you don't want to, uh, I mean, you, you get left out. You get judged. You don't want to take that risk again. You put the mask back on. It's far more comfortable. Or maybe you're just burned out of feeling like you are fake. And you're ready to walk away from faith and the church. The church has burned you out, but you're ready to walk away from faith altogether because of it. So what is this influence that we have as people who take off masks or people who are learning to take off the mask, people who are learning to trust others and God with themselves? That's what this message is about today. And we're going to do that 
by going right back to where we started a couple weeks ago in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, let me remind you, is the circumcision. Remember that? You started off with grace, and then you wanted to add these things. Um, let me just read where we were two weeks ago, and I'm going to add just a few more verses. We're going to read it until, chapter, until verse 6. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit against the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. That was week one. That you know you come in by grace, but then you're trying to add other things to grace. You've missed out on the gospel the way it's supposed to be. This thing is built on grace. And we talked about sin management being our version of circumcision. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await or we eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And here's, here's, the, here's what we're going to kind of center on today in this message. The very end of chapter six, verse 6 of chapter 5. Let me read verse 6 again from the top. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. If you have the New Living Translation, it probably says, but faith expressing itself in love. So it seems like when we, it seems like faith comes out of, faith gives birth to love, that we are able to love because of the love that we've received. We can love others, we can love God because he first loved us, that we trust who we are in Christ because of who he says we are, not because of our own uh, merit, because of our own actions, but because we've received this grace. So that comes from the love of Christ. Then suddenly we can love. But he says, he says more than that. And I would say this, that your ability to love others is actually really a test of whether or not you do trust. You do have faith in what God has said and done for you. But he says that faith expresses itself in love or faith works through love. What is that? How, what is that result? If we trust God with what he says about us, right? That it's by grace, then we ought to trust God what he says about others. That if it's true for us, then it should be true for others. The truth of the matter is how you view and treat yourself is how you will view and treat others. If you expect yourself to perform at the highest Christian standard of cleaning up yourself in your life, because that's how you define it, then you'll expect that from others. But if you can give yourself some grace because Christ has given us grace, because Christ has declared us righteous in his sight, then you're able to see others in that same way. So your real view of self will, in fact, influence your view of others and then how you treat them. Let me, let me give you a slide up here. This is a slide we've looked at for three weeks in a row now. There's me. And before we talked about taking the mask off, we had this big giant pile of sin with all the guilt and all the shame, and God was on the other side. And it was our duty to kind of clean up that mess. And if that's how you approach the Christian life, which is what we started with on week one, and we said this is not the way to go, but if we're still there, if the mask is still on, we expect others to work just as hard because they're in the same situation. And that's called competition. And let's be honest. If that's what we do, if we wear masks to cover up our insufficiencies, we love competition. Because I'm just looking for somebody whose policy is bigger than mine. And I could point it out, their sin, and feel a lot better about my sin. This is the reason why people don't like us. Because they think we're judgmental. Because we are. 
when we have relationships and an atmosphere of competition. But we've passed that now. At least we're learning to get past that now. And to view what, what we corrected with a couple weeks ago is, instead of competition, that we've received grace. That it's, yeah, we still have sin issue. Yeah, there's still stuff that, that, that needs to be taken care of, but it's not our duty to get to God because he's far from us because of that. But he's right with us. We've put our faith in him. He's with us. And together, because God and only God can handle my sin, we address sin issues. And so when we fail, when we're imperfect, when we struggle, we can have grace recognizing that that's what grace is about in the first place. If, if we had it all together, there's no reason for grace. It's funny how when we first come to Christ, we're quick to admit our failures and our faults. But the longer we stay in this thing, we suddenly act like we don't have any failures or faults. Like we didn't need grace. Grace is not just the beginning of the Christian life. It's the entire Christian life. I continue to need it. But how you view yourself will affect how you view others and how you treat yourself is how you will treat others. The answer to how faith expresses itself in love is that that, that expression is, is grace. Our faith in Christ, trusting that who we are because of what he says is true of us, trusting ourselves with others and with him, receiving his love and being able to love, and that love, when it comes to others, expresses itself in grace. There's power in grace because grace melts masks. I don't know about you, but there's been times when I've shared a struggle or admitted a shortcoming to somebody, and the people who are like, Psh, I'm so shocked and disappointed in you. Those people I don't want to go back to anymore, and those people I will continue to wear a mask in front of. But those who say, dude, you're not the only one. Me too. Those are the people that I suddenly am attracted to, the people I could feel like I'm safe with, I could trust that I could be real with. The people who have shown me grace, it melts masks. Grace is the environment. It's a relationship. It's, a, it's an atmosphere. Not of saying, okay, I have grace. We'll let you off the hook. Don't worry about it. No, in order for there to be grace, there has to be offense. But sometimes we think grace is, uh, I won't punish you, but I'll make you feel bad about it. I mean, that's not grace, guys. But there's absolutely an atmosphere where we don't have to fear Punishment, we don't have to fear anger. We don't have to fear shame and guilt. And when I talked about influence at the beginning of this message, what is the influence that we, if people who are daring to take off the mask and trust God with others and ourselves, what is that influence? It's the influence that we have on others to show them a better way, an influence that will help them melt masks as we show grace to others because of the grace that we have received. But it's only possible to extend grace to others when we have first accepted that grace. Week three is only possible because of week one and two. The influence that we could have comes because we've received it, and now we're helping others find it. It's taking off the mask. It's not forgetting who we are. One of my favorite quotes is, is the point today. I like to come up with my own points, but this is the point because I can't improve on this. It's from a, a guy who died like 100-something years ago, Joseph R. Cook, who's a pastor. And he writes this, he says, grace is the face that love wears when it meets imperfection. And the quote's actually longer than that. I should read the whole thing to you. Grace is the face that love wears when it meets imperfection. We are called to love one another. And part of loving one another, because you people are imperfect and so am I, 
is you come up to one another who's imperfect and we show grace. Grace is the face that love wears when it meets imperfection. Which means that we probably should show a whole lot of grace in almost every relationship we have because every single one of us is imperfect. And as we interact with one another, to show grace. The result of actually trusting who we are in Christ, trusting ourselves to be known and to know with God and with others allows for grace to flow through love, grace. And then what actually happens is intimacy. And I already kind of hinted at this. The people that I've been encouraged by, the people that have ministered to my life are the ones who aren't quick to judge me and my imperfectness, but the ones who are say, yeah, me too. The ones who would take off their mask and let me view for a moment. And listen, I understand it's not safe to do this with everybody. There are people that you have to be wise about. Not everyone's ready for this. I would like to say that we should preach this and we should fix the church, not just not this church, but just the church in general. That churches should never be judgmental. The problem is we, you, none of us, our influence is not to fix the church. Our influence is really to let grace take a hold of our life. So I have a couple of points that I want you to, to live out, but they're not to-do lists. They're just, they flow from when we really grasp grace in our own life, how we will end up living. It's not a do this and don't do this. It's this will flow from your life once we really continually wrestle with grace and what we've received in order to create an atmosphere where everybody knows your name and the troubles are all the same. I know this sounds idealistic, and we will continue to forget who we are in Christ. We will, we will continue to not show people grace. We will continue to be judgmental. Let me just set that up there. Don't, don't think that this one message is like, oh, I'll never be judgmental again. No, we will. Because it has to start with us and who we are before the Lord. Here's what flows from an atmosphere of grace. Here's what flows, the influence that we could have. First of all, I believe that we, as those who've received grace and remember who we are, we can offer a safe place for those who are imperfect, for those who have failed, for those who struggle. I've hinted at it enough that those people have been instrumental in my life. The people that I could go to, that it's safe. The people who understand that I'm human because they're human. But you can't go to people who don't confess that they actually are human and have faults, right? We can create a safe place for others. And for some people, depending on their Christian background and the way they were raised, that might be new to them. And they might say, what's going on here? Why, why are you... This is totally not in my notes, but you guys, if you went to Utah and you remember like the Mormon church, the, the high suicide and drug rate, there was so much pressure to be perfect in the Mormon religion. There's no hope. There's no grace. You have to work it. You have to work to be good and earn it. And sometimes, even though we have a message of grace, we act just the same way. Religious performing. So when people come to you and they confess or confide in you, be quick to remind yourself that that could be you. In fact, you probably have sin that's just as bad, or if not worse. Don't act shocked. Just be like, yeah, that could very easily be me. In fact, it probably is me. Create a safe place for people to be imperfect 
thereby ex- extending grace, reflecting the Father and the Son who's, ref- who's extended grace to you. Others will observe how you treat other, other people, whether you can extend grace or not. And as you extend grace, you build trust and you become somebody who has that influence we talked about in the very beginning of this message. It's not a to-do list, but it flows from when we really grasp it. The second thing would be this. You could help shut the devil up. I know that's like not perfect church language. The truth of the matter is that the devil is trying to help us or trying to make us listen to the lies that we need to fix ourselves. The very things we, st- we talked about these last couple of weeks, they're doing to your friends. And if you could say, listen, that's not how this thing works. You remind them of who they are in Christ. You remind them that this thing is built on, on grace because you, first of all, show grace and then you help explain and teach that they can be comfortable and trust you and trust God with who they are. I'm kind of naive and idealistic and I think that it would be a beautiful picture if we all dealt with one another with grace. If we all at all times loved one another in the face of imperfection by showing grace. Grace is the face that love wears. And since we love one another, we have, we're just grace, gracious to one another. Really getting offended, really being hurt, but yet still loving and extending grace. But I know that that might be tough to do, but I know that's probably not realistic because we all forget who we are in Christ and we all add to the judgmentalness. We all add to the, the performance. But I think if we could be responsible for our contribution to the atmosphere of our church, of our student ministry, of our family, of our friend group, I can't change how anybody else acts, but I could, my contribution could be that of grace-filled love expressing itself in grace. I have questions. I have a lot of questions, honestly. I, they're back here on this back table. Josiah is standing right in front of them, right here on this table, right behind the monitors, dude. We're going to go to our groups now, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time and discuss. I, um, I sat down to write these discussion questions, and there's a lot to discuss. And let, me give, let, me, let me hint at the very last question. and say, Jerome, what about the people who don't extend grace to me or to others? who haven't grasped what Christ has meant for them, who are judgmental. What do I do with those people? I'm trying to extend grace. Right? What what does God call us to do? To love one another, to extend grace. The people that would judge you and not extend grace to you, we're called to love and extend grace to. It's very unfair. Very, very unfair. But grace, by its definition, is not fair. We are called to love and extend grace to those who would judge us, to those who would talk about us, to those who would treat us less than kind. You're not going to like this discussion questions, but uh, let me pray for your discussion groups, and uh, we'll come back here in a few moments. Father, I thank you for your word. God, as we go to these, these groups and we look at these questions of what it means to create an atmosphere of grace, Help us, Lord, to play our part. We, we can't be too worried about what others are doing because we all will fail. and We all need grace. Help us, Lord, to, to extend that grace that we've received to, to remind ourselves of what you say is true of us and what's true of others because of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I, uh, I pray that you'll just guide these conversations and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, go to groups.